This morning, I want to share a message which links so beautifully to this. I'm going to share from one scripture and then from a whole lot of others, but the one verse that really has been speaking to me a lot lately, and I've been saying it a lot, but I really feel it's a verse that God has laid on my heart for us as a house this year, is Isaiah 64 verse 4. It says, for since the world began, no ear has heard nor eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. Let's just look at that again. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Lord Jesus, it's our prayer this morning as we open your word that this verse wouldn't just be a verse that we can quote or that we know, but that through the preaching of your word this morning, it would come alive to us. I pray, Lord, that it would divide our hearts to a place where you cut away the things that are not from you so that we can stand upon this promise that you are, in fact, a God who works on our behalf, who acts on our behalf. So Holy Spirit, I pray as your word is preached that you would bring the anointing, that you would be the preacher. And as I point to your word this morning, Lord, that it would be for your glory and for our growth as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Since for, before the world began, no ear has heard, nor eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. So this morning, simply, the title of the message is Faith in a God Who Works for You. And I think this challenges some of our thinking about God, right? Some of us really might have been brought up or our context or an understanding of the Bible is, is an authoritative God who stands and is looking for a whole lot of slaves that he can just send around. But one of the most stunning themes in the Bible is this very thought, that since the beginning and right up to the end, God is looking for an opportunity to work on behalf of us. He is looking for an opportunity to step into our worlds and our lives and do something that we can't out of our own strength. The human is an amazing created being. We can do a whole lot. People come up with amazing ideas. People are inspired with, with concepts and, and engineer things and do massive things. And we see it right in the beginning of the Bible when the people stood together and they built this massive tower. It wasn't now when all the engineers were around and they had it all planned and you had to go and study engineering. The people just got together and they're like, hey, we can build a tower. But you see, we've got to get to a place where God has us in a position where only he can come through and he can work on behalf of us. And this is the theme of the scripture all around. We see it at creation. He created everything. And then in the midst of it, this beautiful garden he made for us to dwell in and to live in and to reside in and to be with him. And then we know the story how we messed it up and we chose to be disobedient and we had to be removed from the garden. But you know what's so beautiful about that story is Adam and Eve tried to get some leaves around all their naked parts, but it said that God took some skins and he made them close. Even there again, he proves to them that my heart for you is I want to work on behalf of you. And then it goes throughout the Bible, all the characters of faith that's been written about in the Word, that we read about in the book of Hebrews. And then all the way to the end, in the book of Revelation, the last few verses, where it says there's a city of God, 
and the river of God, and the river of God exists for the healing of the nations. All throughout the Bible, this is the theme, that we have a God who acts on behalf of us and work for us. And I believe this morning he wants to shift some of our understanding on what that looks like. And some of you have seen him as an authoritative, angry God who's just waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can beat you up. He is a loving father who affirms us. He is a gracious God who forgives us when we repent and turn our back on our wickedness. And he is a God who works for us. Listen to these verses in Hebrews 11. I hope you've read it as you studied this book over the past few weeks. It says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell me of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. See, that's the God that we have faith in, who steps into our world and shuts the mouth of lions. Daniel didn't stand in the lion's den saying, okay, come here, lion. In the name of God, your mouth is shut. <laughs> he just waited for God to be God, and he stood back. And the lion's mouth were shut. The kings in, in, in Israel had all these moments where they were opposed by foreign armies. And they never knew exactly what to do until they went and waited on God and said, God, give us a strategy. And sometimes he'd tell them, you know what? Put the music team up front and go into battle. Goodness gracious, the guitars and the harps and the lyre are going to walk in front of the swords. This is silly, but I want to show you that I'm a God who works for you and who acts on behalf of you. I want to pause there and say, do you get this this morning? This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the beautiful upheaval of the gospel, that God's greatness is displayed not by our working for him, but he's working for us. It's him stepping into our life time and time again, and who does things that we can't do, whether it's saving us from our own sin and shame, whether it's breaking through in a way that we've been trusting him, whether it's giving us strength when the breakthrough is not coming, that's God work, working on behalf of you. You might sit here this morning and say, great to hear, but goodness, I've been waiting for a whole long time. Did you know that Hebrews 11 teaches that Abram and all these people of faith didn't obtain the fullness of the promise, that they're still waiting and they are now a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on but they did not let go of their faith. And God worked in their lives in such a way that they knew he was working on behalf of them and they remained faithful to God even though the breakthrough didn't look the way they thought it would. That's why we sing these songs of faith to speak to our souls. Our bodies might waste away and we might have difficult times, but our spirit is in Christ and we stand and we remain because he's a God who keeps working on behalf of each one of us. You did not receive a spirit of slavery, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. And now we can call him Abba Father. This morning, God wants to shift some of us away from the authoritative, hard image we have of God, where we feel like a slave. And he wants us to remind us 
that we've been adopted as sons and daughters. And he's a loving father. And our spirits cry out, Abba, Father. Not just Father, but Abba. Loving, caring, embracing, intimate Father. So I want to share four thoughts with you this morning. First one is talking about waiting. The scripture says that he will act for those who wait on him. And this is important. We've got to understand this concept. The word wait there means, if you study it a little bit deeper, to stand in expectation, to tarry, and to long for. And the world teaches us something different. The world teaches us if it's not done by our watch or by our calendar or by the way we think it should be done, then where is this God of yours? I love the story of Elijah and the Baal prophets. These guys are going crazy for their idols. They, they're cutting themselves. They're shouting. They're screaming. It's a circus in front of Elijah, and all he does is he sits back and he waits. I was heartbroken again in India to see what these people sacrifice for foolish idols. And you know what? We might not have these shrines and idols in our world here in South Africa, but there's idols in our hearts that we cut ourselves for and go crazy for to please. And all God is asking is move your eyes away from that and let me be the God who comes through for you in your circumstance. Yes, Lord, but it's been so long. It's been so hard. Here's an opportunity. I know if I do X, Y, and Z, it's risky and this and that. I might just get to a better place. Can I be the God who works on behalf of you? Are you making the need that you have an idol so that you start cutting yourself and hurting yourself? Are you making keeping up with the Joneses the idol so that you say that I need X, Y, and Z before my faith in God is complete? Will you be like Elijah who trust me and sit back and let me work on behalf of you. And then the story goes on. They've done everything. Call down fire from heaven. And, and Elijah's even a little bit tongue-in-cheek, and he starts saying, maybe your gods are sleeping. It's heartbreaking to see in India that in the morning they take a, a, a little clock, a, what do you call it, a bell, to wake up their gods. It's like, come on, it's prayer time, we just want to, okay, now, cling, 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 okay, now we can pray. He's saying, your gods might be sleeping, use the bell. They might be busy with something else at another place. And Elijah listens to the voice of God, and God says, I want you to put up an altar, 12 stones that represents the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes, and put the offering on there, and then I want you to make it soaking wet. And I want you to, to dig a trench around it and let water just keep flowing over this thing, and I want you to wait, because I am the God who acts on those, on behalf of those who wait for me. And the story goes on for so many others. Abraham, who waited 25 years since he got the first word about his son before he got that baby. And if you look at his life, he probably waited 80 years before he became a dad. Joseph, 15 years before his dream was fulfilled, and then he realized the dream was never about him and his brothers bowing in front of him. The dream was about him saving his brothers. And the Bible goes on. We've got Israel in Egypt for 430 years. And then after that, they went into exile into Babylon for another 70 years. And here we are, a couple of months down, a couple of weeks, a couple of days, maybe a year, and we give up on God because he has not come through yet. 
And he's saying, my child, I know exactly what you need. Will you just keep waiting on me? And there's strength in the waiting. There's opportunity for you to form a character and become more like Christ in the waiting. See, what we do is we want supernaturally 2019 to click over and then, no, no, it's going to happen now. It's there, right? Like, I can feel it's different. We're so uncanny to be with Alika, our eight-year-old. It's the first time ever she's waking up or stayed up till 12. And we were at a higher position. We looked down to Strand to see some fireworks. And 20 minutes in after all the excitement, she looked at us like, it still still feels the same. (laughs) I said, well, it's exactly what it is. It is exactly still the same. Nothing changes. But we put our faith in these weird earthly, humanly things that doesn't matter. And we put a timeline on that. Abram waited 25 years before that son came. Joseph waited 15 years. How long did Esther wait? How long did Nehemiah walk around with a dream and a desire in his heart to go rebuild the city? But he waited until God came through for him. So what does it look like in the waiting? I think that's the real question to ask. I can keep on telling you you've got to wait, but what does it look like in the waiting? And I want to take us to Isaiah chapter 40. What do we do when we wait on God and it just feels like it's still impossible? I can't wait another year. I can't wait another moment. Isaiah 44, verse 28 to 31. Why am I doubting where it is now? It's Isaiah. Let me just make sure. I think the print on here is different than what I need to say. It's Isaiah 40, not 44. Apologies for that. It says this, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. You might be there this morning. God, I don't have any might more anymore. Here's a promise for you that is allowed for you to benefit from today. He will give you might and strength. Carries on. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word waiting there, I've preached about this before is the Hebrew word kava, which means to be twisted with, means to be completely intertwined with, to eagerly expect God to come through. Some of us need that moment again where we feel him and we meet with him in the secret place where we can feel the spirit of God is connecting with me and I'm intertwined with him again because that's the position we need that we will remain waiting upon him i want to give you context of isaiah 40 it's a lovely scripture and many of us know it and we've seen the cards with the two eagles right blue card two eagles scripture isaiah 44 40 you've all seen those got the bookmark but do we understand the context of what this is said in So the chapter right before it, the Isaiah, the prophet goes to King Hezekiah and he says, you know what? 
there's some news that I've got to share with you. God says that the day is coming where the people of Israel will be led into captivity and exile, and they will be slaves in Babylon. That's the context. Now it changes the way we see this a little bit, right? Can you imagine the emotions and the feeling in that moment? The reminders and the story that that king has heard of what it was like before when they were in slavery. All the fear that might just come up in a moment like that. King Hezekiah in the last few verses of Isaiah chapter 39 says, the word of the Lord is good. Sure. Isn't that challenging? He's sovereign God. We sang it this morning. Lord, do you allow things in our life at times it's not so lacquer, but the word of the Lord is good. Whatever you determine, we will rest in. And it's in that context that God then says, comfort my people with this word, and Isaiah 40 happens. And he says, the, ball, the earth hangs like a ball in front of him, and it speaks about his unfailing word and the promises that they already have that they can keep to. And he says, guys, while you are in this battle, in this difficult space, Wait on me, and you will have renewed strength. So if you're sitting here this morning like, Pierre, how do I wait? You cover with God, spend time with him, you study his word, you pray, you fast, you do whatever it takes to be near him, and you just remain there, even if it's 70 years in Babylon. That's what he tells his people to do. A God who works for us, we want him to come through in a very certain way but he's available to work in this moment, in the next hour, inside you, where he says, I'll give you strength and let you rise up like an eagle amidst your circumstances. The second part of this message this morning is talking about working. Who does the work? Anyone want to try? God does it, right? That's what the Bible says. It's amazing. The one who does not faint and grow weary will sustain us that we don't faint and grow weary. And we get the help and he gets the glory in the end. He's the one we go into battle, but the Bible says the battle belongs to him and the victory is ours. And I love this concept that we do the waiting and he does the working. Now, before it puts you into a passive state, we've got to understand that the waiting is obedience. And that in the waiting, God might expect a few things from you. As you study his word, as you commune with others and speak into your life. So it's not like we just sit back passively and wait. Elijah had to be obedient in building the altar, in putting on the, 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 the sacrifice, in wetting it, in cutting the trough. He had to be obedient in all those things to see God come through. But the ultimate supernatural work belongs to him. He's the one that steps into our circumstance that is just we're unable to bear it anymore and it looks impossible and he does a work on behalf of us. It starts in the gospel message, Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not your own work, but it's the gift of God. 
And we try and work it and work it and work it. And if I can do this and be a good Christian and X, Y, then surely it's got to come. And then we put it on ourselves to get the breakthrough that we need. Or God has given us a clear vision. He wants us to do amazing things for his kingdom. And then we try and work out this vision and make it happen. And we get tired and eventually we give up. Like, God, I'm never going to reach that. Because it's out of our own strength. It's a gift of God. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. He's currently looking in this venue this morning to every heart here and says, I want to be your help. I want to act on your behalf. I want to do things in your walk with me that you can't do by yourself. Cho, would you come and join me for a minute? I want Cho to share a story with us that he shared with me last year when he was here. Um, This is a man of faith that inspires me every time I get to spend time with him. I haven't seen him yet. I'm going to give him a hug first. Hello. Do you want to say hello first? Hello, nice to meet you. (laughs) Sit down. Awesome. So you're going to be dissatisfied after this story because there's so many more stories like this. But I've asked him to just share this one story with us this morning to see how God works when we wait. So Cho, I remember you told me last year there were devastating rains in Madagascar. And the one specific day when the floods were at the peak, tell us where you were. Well, Love and Care declared 2018 will be the year of God's favor. So it seems God allowed us to uh, speak, to move, and a lot of blessing and the favor will be with us. But unfortunately, 2018, January 5th, uh, cyclone Ava with a 200-kilometer wind hit our ministry and a whole our school, five schools were destroyed, totally run down, and 32 classrooms and eight other buildings just collapsed immediately in a seven minutes of a strong wind hit us. And then we were not there. All our Korean and other missionaries, some of the leaders went to India the same day. They fly to India for the like you. And then I was uh, in the remote area to, for the research, for the new vision and the new ministry. So all the leaders just left the ministry and only the children and so, so women were in our ministry. And then they just watched the building collapse and everything was destroyed. So these guys have gone out in faith and they've built school other things for the purposes of God. And Cho is somewhere else. Most of his team is in India ministering to the children there. And Cho found himself on a raft, right? Yeah, we were trapped in the remote area, nowhere to go out. All of the, the country was flooded and no way to come out to escape from that situation. Teo was with me at the time. So tell me about the moment on the raft. You say that the phone rang. And you were crying out to God. Tell us what happened to what you just, that moment. When I heard about and also saw the picture, one of our steps sent by messenger. And, uh, you know, I have uh, no word to say. I felt like uh, the condition what Job faced. Is it this because of my sins, what I'm facing now? And then 
is it all the, what I, the mistake I made it? This is all the reason we are in this trouble? Because it's been seven years to build up the whole those building. It has a many beautiful story. But seven minutes of a wind hit just collapsed all. I don't know what to say. I just cry and cry. And then I got a message, next word. And uh, I asked to my, I sent a messenger message to the staff and I asked, is there anybody who were in injured or severely, uh, severe conditions? Because we have uh, many children under the buildings. And then I got the news, there is nobody sure. got hurt. So that was a miracle actually. More than the building collapsed, the no one injured, no even small kids got hurt. That's the miracle. So somehow, when I heard that news, the faith just increased. Instead of thinking about the job story, but I got the, the story about Jesus, what he teach to his disciple when they were in the storm, in the, in the small boat. <laughs> So I want you to see the image. He's in a small boat up north. He were probably paddling, right? And I love it when he puts up his arm. <laughs> and there's another story of how this has happened to him. But even that has never stopped Cho from being faithful to what God has called him to. So he's in a small boat paddling. The phone rings, right? And he hears the message. Everything has collapsed. In that moment, I would probably ask the same. God, have I sinned? What have I done? Why has this come upon me? Now tell us what happened a few weeks later and how God worked on behalf of you. Yep. Uh, God opened the way to come back to Tamatav where I do the ministry. And uh, I saw the building with my own eyes, but it was not easy. But however, I know God has a plan. God is going to do something else because he wants to show us who he is. So I trusted and uh, I tried to collect, collecting the, all those uh, the wood and the bricks what we, we can use. So I may be not, we may be not losing any kids. We have uh, uh, 2,500 students in our schools and we are feeding them every day. But God showed us, I mean, God used us as such a person like us to feeding the, such a great work. So he is able to lead us, not just to stop all of a sudden, so we're collecting the, all those building materials and we try to build a hut so the children continue to study. And then I took the, some money, but it's not sufficient. It's a small amount of money, but I have to show to our staff and also children and also their parents, there is God never left them. God is still with them and God is going to send them, send all those need to rebuild all the money financially. So we work, we move and move, and so we just praise and praise God, and we give the hope to the children. But I was literally struggled in my heart because I see there is nothing in our account. But I trust the Lord and start the work, and then God was moving around the world. And in three weeks, more than, more than sufficient, I think three times, amount of money just came to us without knowing, without spreading the news. But God spread the news. Mm. And then people saw around the world and they just uh, 
telling to their church members, we have to do something, we have to do something. We need to involve, we have to participate for this great work. God has done amazing work. This has to be continued. This has to be continued, never stop. Then, you know, 300,000 U.S. dollars just came in three weeks. <laughs> uh, that's 100,000. <laughs> That's 100,000 U.S. dollars a week. Now, you prayed something about the storm afterwards to share that thought with us. Storm. Yeah. <laughs> so, when it all happened and uh, we were busy with the uh, construction, we have a very nice building. No matter how strong uh, storm may, the cyclone may hit us, our building is the only one building will be remain still. <laughs> so all our school building is a much better, stronger one now. So I pray to God one day, Lord, if this is your plan and will, I need a much more stronger cyclone hit our ministry so that we may see much great God can experience. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, when Cho was here, he also shared with us uh, about a hospital they want to build. And this week, he sent me, or last week, he sent me the pictures. That's the hospital. Um, they needed things inside the hospital to make the hospital happen. I've got two pictures there, one of beds. Um, and the next one is a cupboard filled with, the uh, Quibus is getting excited, and Uncle Colin, cu cupboard filled with some, some medicine. I want to take on a, a moment and just honor you for like, living this message in such a simple way. God, I'll wait, and you work. And thank you for being willing to share it with us this morning, and that we can all be encouraged by it. And we continue to pray with you guys. Um, please hang out with them afterwards. Um, can we just give them a hand for, for their faithfulness? Thank you. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what storm you are in, or what this year looks like to you. But here's a man who's been through a very real storm, trying to save his life, getting a phone call. It's, it's as bad as it gets. And even after it, seeing the faithfulness of God working for him, he says, okay, God, well, give me the biggest storm that I can face because you will show yourself faithful through it. Can we live like that this year? That we have faith in a God who works for us. We don't have faith in knowing that, you know what, the worst can happen. I've got a, a nest that can take care of it. I've put it away. And all those things are good, but it's not God. God is what we need. Faith in Him. Faith in His hand. Faith in His power. Faith in His guiding. Faith in Him saying, you know what, I will come through for you in the way that I know is best for you. Be my children. I'm an Abba Father. And your spirit will continue to cry out that you are adopted. Mark 10, 45 describes Jesus to us in this way. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. There it is again. We have faith in a God who works for us. The redemption story that God made a plan, and he sent Christ, and Christ came with an attitude of serving us. Imagine for a moment, you were in that room where Jesus took off his outer clothes and says, I'm going to wash your feet. Imagine you're standing there and you see the king of kings, your creator, going, going down on his knees, getting dirty, 
getting his hands wet, washing your dirty, stinking feet. I want you to imagine what will happen inside here for a moment. I don't think I'll be able to hold it together. I'll just, exhaust a barba ale. I'll just, it'll be ugly. Just Jesus coming in and saying, hey, can I serve you? And then we see Peter. No way, Jesus. There's no way you do this. This is my job. And then Jesus says something stunning. He says, if I don't do this, you have no part in me. Have we stopped allowing God to come into our circumstances and do what he does? Or do we stand back like, oh, no, God, you know what? Rather not. He's a God who wants to step into our storms and do things that we can't even fathom. The next thing I want to talk about is wholeheartedness. All of these scriptures have a condition to it. We've read it, and I want to remind us of it. It speaks about wholehearted devotion. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. There's our key. Our key is we wait, but we've got a heart of devotion towards him. Isaiah 64, 4 and 5. No ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. That word in Second Chronicles, wholehearted devotion, speaks about a whole, blameless, clean and ready heart. And this is the part we have to play. We've got to walk in our journey with Jesus in such a way that we cleanse ourselves of the things that make our heart not blameless towards him. David said, God, search me and know me and see if there's any wickedness in me so that I can repent and get rid of my filthy sin so that I have a blameless heart and a whole heart towards you. Then I can wait in assurance that you will act on behalf of me. See, this scripture has to lead us to a place of introspection where we, we take count of our life and just say, God, please show me what's out of line. Because clearly the condition of our hearts needs to be in a certain place for him to come and bring his glory into our lives. Paul wrote to Timothy about this in the second letter. He says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You see, every amazing miracle story that I hear, I look at the life of those people, I'm like, yes, he or she is useful in the hands of the master. Because they take a moment to investigate their hearts and say, God, is this a vessel of gold and honor? Or is this just wooden clay? It's like these two holders up here. Now, Danika has to take the prize for being the best secret shopper in India. She discovered this, and she didn't show anyone until she got back to South Africa. I think it's pretty beautiful. It's a copper flask. It's amazing. And it seals completely. And the cool thing is it keeps hot things hot and cold things cold. And apparently, all the health gurus, it is good for you to drink from copper. Okay, so she found this in India, 
I'll still be drinking my water from this. Don't worry, Stefan, it's not your bottle, it's another company. I'll still be drinking my water from this, but this is the image that's put before us. You can choose. Do you want to be like this that shines, that's bright, that's clean, so that God would want to come and pour His glory into that? Or do we just settle with this? That is just another piece of plastic that we've got to recycle because it's bringing disaster out in the world. You see, we stand before this decision every single day. When temptation comes, when things come our way, we've got to remain standing and say, God, I want to be like this copper vessel that is beautiful and clean so that your glory would want to be poured out in me so that I can show the world that you are a God who acts on behalf of me. I'm waiting for you. My heart is devoted. I'm fully cleansed before you. Jesus, I'm waiting for that miracle. Sadly, some of us are missing out on this, and we remain here. And you say this morning, Pierre, I have not seen God come through for me because you're standing between these two places. The condition of these verses is that you are clean before him. And you've got to come to a place where you say, God, my sin is in the way, cleanse me. I want to be righteous before you. Make me whole again. God, I repent of this. I go back to that person. I say sorry. I make right, and I walk in freedom again. I'm a cleansed and holy vessel. Now he will come and pour out his glory in it. And then the last part of this whole message is the concept of worship. If we could do it out of our own strength, we would get the glory we would get the praise. If we could be the ones who determine our days and know when that trial or that storm will end or what it would look like towards the end, then who will get the praise? All of us, right? You see, we have to get to a place where we realize that God's working on behalf of us is a way for him to show the world his glory so that he gets the praise and he gets to worship in the end. There's a lot we can do out of our own strength. But that's not what God is interested in. He's saying to you this morning, my sons, my daughters, allow me to pour my glory into your life. It might take a month, it might take a year, it might take 70 years. But allow me to do it. And all the time while you're waiting... Just walk in righteousness. Keep it clean. Pursue me. Say no to the stupid things of this world that will leave you dissatisfied in the end in any way. A moment of pleasure is just that, a moment. Can we be a people who are clean before God so that we are in position for honorable use, for the King of Kings to come and say, this is the vessel that I want to pour my power into and show the world how amazing I am. And then in the end, when he does that, time and time again, it's just worship back to him. Then the world will see that we follow Jesus because our lives live a different melody where it's not about us. But thank you, God. You gave me the food I needed today. Thank you, God. You gave me feet to walk. The car is broken, but I've got feet to walk. And you know what, God? I've got a phone and I've got friends to call. And all of them will help me with a lift. So thank you, God. Oh, goodness, the car is broken again. Thank you, God, that I've got friends that I can call. 
Bible says that the lions go hungry, but the sons and daughters of God will not lack. If you're lacking this morning, maybe it's a phone call saying, guys, it's a little bit tough at the moment. Can you just come around us? I know in this house, in this community, there's many that will say, yes, we will. God wants to show himself strong. And then in the end, he receives our worship and our glory. And I want to end with Psalm 111. Why don't you stand with me as we read this verse, this chapter together. It says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondered works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praises endure forever. God, that's a prayer of our heart in response to this message that you are a God who's looking through the earth to show yourself strong in the lives of those who wholeheartedly pursue you. And I pray, Lord, as we raise our voice and our voices together with this song of praise, that we would be like the psalmist who remind ourselves of what you've done. Lord, and who would say in the same time that you are a God of great things who will still do more. Lord, I pray that we would praise us, praise your name even though we are in a storm. That we would not let our praise be conditional, but it would be based in who you are and what you've promised. Lord, thank you for the examples of Abram and, and so many that's gone before us, Lord. Even though they did not see the fullness of the promise, their lives were full to wor- with worship towards you and they walked blameless in your sight. And this morning we say, God, we want to be a people who live like that, Lord, who pours out our worship to you because we are blameless in your sight and we are waiting until the day that you come through and you do strong things on behalf of us. And let the people of God shout and say, Amen.